Tonight's reading is found in Jeremiah, chapter 29, reading from verse 4 to 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage him to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Mary, thanks for sharing your perspective on those verses and the very yeah, nuanced way in which you expressed the way in which that verse has spoken to you over the years about how it's God's ultimate plans and purpose for us, even when life is hard, in the short term. Jeremiah, I think, was the master of spin. He has to write a letter to people who've been carried off into exile in Babylon, telling them, actually, you won't be coming home again. The prophets and dreamers who are saying that the exile will all be over in no time at all are just peddling lies in the name of the Lord. Actually, it's going to be 70 years before the temple is rebuilt and the time of exile effectively over. So the people wouldn't be coming back in their own lifetime. It wouldn't even be their children who'd be making the journey back from Babylon to Jerusalem. In all likelihood, the journey would be made by their grandchildren. So for people who would be spending the rest of their lives in exile, what was the best thing they could do? Very practically, Jeremiah says, what you need to do is get married and have children, and then when those children are grown up, find husbands and wives for them so they can have grandchildren, so you'll have grandchildren to come home in 70 years, when God brings his people back. You're in Babylon for the duration. So the best thing you can do is make the most of it. Build houses, settle down, plant vineyards, eat their produce. There is going to be no immediate change in your situation. That's the message. And yet somehow, over the years, that verse, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, have brought hope to so many people. Actually, it was bad news, but Jeremiah finds a way of expressing it in such a way that even though it's bad news in the short term, they can think, I can still trust God 
for the long-term future. Inspired words to lift people in the midst of trouble and difficulty, to say, despite everything going wrong and I can't see an immediate end to it, I'm still going to trust that beyond it, God is going to fulfill his purpose. God promises a good future for these people's grandchildren. And though the people who received Jeremiah's letter probably wouldn't be around to see it with their own eyes, it was down to them to invest in the long term so that their grandchildren would prosper as a result. That's a very long-term perspective to adopt. But their culture wasn't as highly individualized as ours is. So the knowledge that God had laid up a promise of blessing and restoration that would be realized even two generations down the line was really important to them. It's the kind of attitude you still run across from time to time today. The outlook on life says, it doesn't matter what happens to me, so long as my grandchildren will be all right. There are still people who have that long-term perspective on the future. And even though the hope that Jeremiah gives the people will not be realised in the lifetime, it's still a hope worth cherishing. A hope worth putting their trust in God for. A hope that actually redeems their present plight from futility and rescues them from despair. Because even though it's a long-term prospect, it's still a hope that transforms their assessment of the present situation. Because the danger was that they just, you know perceive where they were and what was happening to them as a disaster and a complete waste of time. For them to be caught between living in the past and the memories of times when things were home and stuff was okay and longing for the future that's beyond their grasp when everything will be okay again. But the present, what is there to celebrate in the present when everything is wrong? The present for them was a time of exile, time spent where they really didn't want to be. And it would have been so easy in those circumstances to write off the present, to dismiss it as being of no value, having no purpose. And there can be times in our own lives when we we feel that way ourselves, when our lives at the moment are empty and we see no point in anything. All our good memories are way back in the past and we've nothing in the immediate future to make life worth living for. That's when the temptation comes to give up. But that's not what God wants his people to do. Jeremiah says there is a long-term future that's worth coping with the present for. And actually, he wants to remind them that God's plans for them are not about them and their immediate situation. Or all the woes that have come upon them. He says, look, I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the city where I've carried you into exile. It's not just about you. Because you will find your prosperity, your peace and your well-being in the prosperity and peace of the well-being of the city where you live. Yes, actually, I know, you know, this isn't where you, want, where you want to be at all. I know that the prospect of things coming right are a long way in the future. Faced with their own acute sense of loss, it would have been very easy for them to turn in on themselves, to withdraw from life and to dwindle away into nothing. But that wasn't what God wanted them to do. Even in adverse circumstances, God wanted them to increase, not to decrease. But for that to happen, there needed to be a change of mindset. Rather than just retreating from their present situation into memories of the past, or withdrawing from their surroundings to brood over everything that they'd lost, or just to to sit and wait for things to get better, God encouraged them in adversity 
to find constructive ways of engaging with their present context. Because even when they were where they didn't want to be, when they actively sought the peace and prosperity and well-being of the city where they found themselves, in so doing they would find for themselves a renewed peace and a renewed prosperity and a renewed sense of well-being. So it wasn't just God saying, look, my plans for you are good in the dim and distant future. Actually, it's God saying, find a way of engaging with your situation in the present. Because even as you do that, you will find unexpectedly my blessing coming to you in these adverse circumstances. They were looking for a quick deliverance from Babylon. They were looking for a quick turnaround in their fortunes. And that wasn't on God's agenda for them. Partly because the situation back home was still such a mess. These people in Babylon, the future lay with them. It was God's purpose and intention to begin again with these exiles and use them to rebuild the nation. But that would take time. If they just went straight back into the mess that was at Jerusalem, they'd be swallowed up in the chaos that was Jerusalem and the opportunity for a new beginning would be gone. So God pulled them out until the time was right to send them back again. But it was a long-term plan. So rather than giving them what they wanted and longed for and changing their situation and sorting it out, God's call was, I'm going to ask you to stay where you are and bring my presence into that situation. To bring my goodness into that situation. To make a difference for me where you are. And when you read the first few chapters of the book of Daniel, you can see how God used Daniel, who was one of the first group of exiles to be deported to Babylon, to be a source of real blessing to his captors. And sometimes that's our calling. Not for God to do what we want to make things right for us, but to use us when things are wrong for us, actually to make things good for others. It's part of the cost of belonging to God who sees the bigger picture. So one of the effects of God's promise of a good long-term future for the exiles was actually it did serve to redeem the present for them. Because even though the present wasn't what they wanted, it wasn't a waste of time either. Because as they engaged with their present context and sought to bless their pleasant surroundings, they would find God's blessing and renewal and well-being even in a situation that was bad. The period of exile was not going to be a temporary hiatus in terms of God's plans for his people. A time when God says, it's all gone wrong, I'm just going to put everything on hold for you now, and I'm going to come back to you in 70 years' time and sort it out. No, right in a situation where they weren't where they wanted to be, God was continuing to work his plans out for them and through them and in them. Though it all felt completely and utterly wrong, they were where God wanted them to be. And God had a plan and purpose for them right where they were. What they longed for in terms of a return to their homeland, that restoration would only happen generations down the line. But that doesn't mean that here and now, their lives would be devoid of meaning or purpose or the presence of God. They would find peace and prosperity and well-being themselves in the present as they sought the peace and prosperity and well-being of the place where they lived even though it was the wrong place for them to be, they felt. A Russian priest called Alexander Elkaninov has written about the importance of finding God's will in the present. He said, Our continual mistake is that we don't concentrate on the present day, the actual hour of our life. We live in the past, 
or in the future. We're continually expecting the coming of some special moment when our life will unfold itself in its full significance. We don't notice that life is flowing like water through our fingers, sifting like precious grain from a loosely fastened bag. Constantly, each day, each hour, God is sending us people, circumstances, tasks, which should mark the beginning of our renewal. Yet we pay them no attention and thus continually we resist God's will for us. Did how can God help us? Only by sending us in our daily life certain people and certain coincidences of circumstance. If we accepted every hour of our life as the hour of God's will for us, as the decisive, most important, unique hour of our life, what sources of joy, love, strength as yet hidden from us would spring from the depths of our soul. Let's then be serious in our attitude towards each person that we meet in our life, towards every opportunity of performing a good deed. Be sure that you will then fulfil God's will for you in these very circumstances, on that very day, in that very hour. Resist the temptation just to retreat into the past or to long for the future. Here and now, God says, I've got a purpose for you I want you to be doing. Long term, yes, the restoration that you long for is on its way, but here and now, get on with the business of living for me, even when life is tough. Because the point is that wherever you are, that is where God has placed you. That is where he wants you to seek and find his presence with you there. And if he seems absent or far away, listen to Jeremiah's call to call upon him, come and pray to him and seek him with all your heart because he has promised that he will listen. He has promised that he will be found by you. When the time is right, he will lead you out of the place that feels so wrong. But firstly, before that, what needs to happen is you need to find him and recognise him that he's with you now where you don't want to be and to find his will for you right where you are in the present moment. You can't cut that bit out, you can't short-circuit it, you can't wish the time away. Before the answer for your prayers come in the future, you need to figure out how God is with you and what he wants you to be doing in the present. Yes, he has plans in the future for you, there is a hope worth hanging on for, but the realisation of those plans in that future begins with discovering God's presence with you in the most unwelcome place and his purpose for you in the most difficult of scenarios. Be assured you have not slipped through God's fingers. He has not forgotten you. He's not taken his eye off you. Your situation hasn't been lost in some file that's buried at the bottom of a filing cabinet that no one knows about. He is fully aware of what you are going through. And this is the God who has promised he will never leave you, nor forsake you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. If those words are real, that means wherever you find yourself, God is right there with you. And he invites you to call to him and come to him. Not because he can't find you if you don't do that, He's with you already. 
He invites you to call to him and come to him because he wants you to discover the reality of his presence with you and what his purpose for you is right here, right now. Whatever the place of your exile is, however long it lasts, God is right there with you in the thick of it. He does have long-term plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. This is not how it's going to be forever and ever. God's ultimate purpose is to restore us. But for now, as you wait for the tide to turn and the situation to change, you are to seek two things. Seek God with all your heart. And seek the well-being and peace of the people in whatever situation you find yourself. As you wait for the future to come and the answer to your prayers, here and now, seek God and seek the well-being of those around you in that situation. Because as he manifests his presence to you, you will manifest his presence in whatever situation you find yourself. It will not be a God-forsaken situation because you're there and God is with you. Both your immediate and long-term future are in no one else's hands but God's. And he invites you to place all your trust in him. When you can't see where you're going, look forward. Because the Lord says, even though you can't see what's going to happen in the long term, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to give you a future and a hope, to bless you, not to harm you. When you can't see what is going on, look up. And look for the presence of God right with you where you are, here and now. And look around and discover how you can be a source of blessing and peace and well-being in your situation. Because when you seek that and you achieve it, you'll find God's blessing and peace and well-being in your own life as well. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's really hard to trust him when everything seems to have gone wrong. But above and beyond it all, God's plans, God's purposes remain sure and steadfast and unbreakable. And somehow, whatever situation we find ourselves in, they're part of his plan and purpose for us as well. Let's pray.